there's no other way to learn it than to do the work. I mean, you can read about it, you can teach about it, but until you do that work with the client, you just can't learn it any other way. Hello, welcome to The Seasoned RD, a podcast connecting newer professionals in the field of eating disorders to those of us who have been around for a while. I'm your host, Beth Harrell, a certified eating disorders registered dietitian and supervisor. And I'm Abby Brown, a registered dietitian who is newer to the field. I think of myself as a well-seasoned cast iron skillet with wisdom and experience, yet always ready for something new. And I think of myself as an Instapot with innovation and a fresh perspective. This podcast brings both to the table to share ingredients, recipes, and techniques of past and present so we can all be our best for the future. The kettle is heating up. The skillet is on simmer. So join us around the table for true professional nourishment. Abby, ready to stir the pot? Let's do it. I am so glad that you're here with us on the Seasoned RD podcast. You know, we use the example of the cast iron skillet and the Instapot, and that's kind of demonstrating the tried and true and and the new innovations. And our guest, Allison St. Germain, is a registered dietitian. She has all of it. I mean, I can't think of a better person to have on this podcast because the whole goal is bringing people who are possibly unknown. They're not out doing national conferences and not a household name, sort of, but doing that awesome work on the ground, allowing her to share all the cool things that she's done in this world to treat eating disorders, to learn what she needs to learn about eating disorders, and to put herself and put ourselves as professionals into situations where we can have an impact. So you'll hear Abby and Allison talk about the trickle-down effect. And because Allison is an educator, this is a great episode to be sponsored by Great Plains Idea. It's an online master's degree dietetics program, almost 20 universities in this consortium. You can sign up for my course, Nutrition Therapy for Eating Disorders, as one of your electives. And class is filling up and starts, I believe, August 22nd. So if you're even slightly interested, check it out. And thank you to those of you who have sent me messages. I really appreciate this. I'm going to give a shout out. Emily says, I have finally caught up on your podcast after being all done with the RD exam, all passed, yay, and wanted to drop you a note. Loved, loved, loved your episode with Jessica Setnick. It blew my mind 10 times over. And I absolutely adored the episode with Amy Gardner. I downloaded her book, absolutely want to do her training. Everything in between was great too. So I hope you are able to keep doing this podcast. Thank you, Emily, for your notes and congratulations on getting past the RD exam. Now you can start to do what you were meant to do. Well, good morning, Allison St. Germain, and welcome to the Seasoned RD podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Good morning. We're so excited to have you. For everybody listening, just a little background here. Allison was my advisor during my dietetic internship at Iowa State University. So this is a super special one for me. We're so excited to have you. But we'll ease you into things with some icebreakers. So first one is mountains or beach? Well, I like both, but my vacations tend to revolve around beaches. Living in the Midwest, especially in Iowa, there's not water around us, let alone an ocean, but so, or mountains. And so definitely beaches, but I do like mountains too. 
And then breakfast or dinner? I would say brunch because I especially like going out to brunch because the foods are always just, I don't know, they're a little bit different. They're usually not the, the same as they're normal on the menu. So definitely brunch. I can there, that. Yeah. <laughs> Is there a great place in your town that for brunch? Yes. I have three places. Oh. The, yes. The cafe and provisions. And then Cornbread has a really good brunch, but they only have it on Sundays. Okay. And and tell everyone where you're where you're located right now. In Ames, Iowa, dead center of Iowa. Okay. My daughter was in Des Moines and there was a great place for brunch that we went once. And so yeah, brunch is a great great example, Abby, of how we're talking about like it's not black and white, you know, <laughs> we're not answering the question, breakfast or dinner. That's right. <laughs> so audiobook or paper book? Well, it depends. For fiction, I always like to read paper, but for nonfiction, I tend to actually do audible because I listen on the way into work, on the way back, and will listen as I walk too. So I can get through a lot more books that way. With the audible or with the listening, me too. And on your walks, on Mm -hmm. running errands, whatever it may Mm be. Awesome. Well, you're a registered dietitian, right? I am. So I'm going to take you back to your RD exam, (laughs) number two pencil or keyboard. And what do you remember about that day? Oh my gosh, definitely number two pencil because this happened 27 years ago. I feel like I was probably one of the last classes that maybe did it with pencil because when I took my GREs, it was on computer. So, and that was just a couple of years after that. But what I remember is being insanely nervous, so nervous that my brain just kind of wouldn't function at first. And then the worst part is for those of you that, you know, aren't old like me, that you had to wait six weeks before you found out the results. And I was sure I flunked. I was sure that, oh, there's no way I passed this because I kept thinking of all the questions that I didn't know, but I did pass. They score it differently now than they did back in the day, but I didn't pass by much, but I passed. (laughs) And again, nobody had to know that part. It's you're either pass or not. You're a C student or an A student. You still passed. Well, see, that's the hard thing because I was always an A student. And that was still in my younger years, my very perfectionistic years. And so it was hard to swallow that I barely passed. But I mean, at this point, it's just, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. All right. Well, how do you, how did you get into the field of nutrition and then eating disorders? Well, it was a weird way that I got into nutrition. I actually did not even know what a dietitian was in high school, nor did I in my first few years of college. I actually started out on the business track with my goal of being a lawyer. Um, what happened was I went to two years of business school, and then I was a legal secretary during a gap year. We didn't call it gap year back in the day either, but I'm a year off. And then my goal was to go back to be a paralegal. I I got married and we moved to the middle of Iowa. I'm from Northern Minnesota. And I was flipping through the Iowa State University catalog because I've always liked the medical profession. And also at that time, I was in the middle of an eating disorder and I saw that, oh gosh, hmm, nutrition, I can learn how to lose even more weight by being a dietitian. And so that's why I chose it. And 
this is the first time I've actually said this part out loud in, you know, in a safe space, I should say. I, I, in the past, would just tell people I started out in business. I always was interested in the medical field and went that way. I did not ever say I was in the middle of an eating disorder, but that is the truth. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing yeah. in that vulnerable moment. And if yeah. you've, I know you've listened to the pod before mm-hmm. and there's, there's it, there's some healing in sharing your story mm-hmm. and being on the other side. Oh, yes. Well, you know, and my students, that I've taught over the years, mostly towards the end, that was something that I would share. I didn't share into great detail, but they knew I had a lived experience because once I shared it once in a safe space, I really released a lot of the shame and the embarrassment around it. And so I don't feel shame or embarrassment around it at all anymore because I've said it out loud. I don't talk in detail necessarily. I talk Mm -hmm. more about my recovery, I would say, because I feel like that's more important to know. So, yeah. Yeah. And some, one of our guests called it lived expertise. Ooh, I so, like I mean, li- uh, yeah, because, you know, we, we are taught that we are the nutrition expert, mm-hmm. but when you get into the therapy p- piece of it, it's, they are the expert and oh, yes. we are side by side. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so that's how you got into, you got into nutrition. Yes. Well, so then even though I had gone to school for a couple of years in business, I still had to go for four years because I didn't have any of the science classes. So graduated and immediately got a job at WIC and loved it. And that's really when I started learning about Ellen Satter and division of responsibility. And that was around the same time that the intuitive eating, the first edition came out. So of course, in my curriculum, I did not learn about intuitive eating. Hayes had not even heard of that. Everything was very weight centric as in a lot of dietetic curriculum. And there still is a lot of triggering content in there, but the saving grace of all of this was my senior year. I took a counseling class with Eunice Bassler which is really kind of cool because after I graduated, worked, and then came back to Iowa State, I got to work alongside of her instead of being her student. So that was very special to me. But she was the first person that talked about, you know, coming into dietetics. A lot of times, you know, students are struggling with their relationship with food. And she had us go through our own journey and did a lot of journaling. And it wasn't until that time that I realized that I didn't think I had an eating disorder per se, but I was like, yeah, this doesn't seem quite right. Mm -hmm. And so I started taking a harder look at that. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it wasn't until grad school, which I started a couple of years later that I met with a therapist because, you know, as a student, you get free therapy. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to meet with, meet with this, with this therapist and see if I can help heal my relationship. So, mm-hmm. so Eunice Bassler, yeah. is that what you said? Eunice is, Bassler, yeah. It's a name I haven't heard before. And this is what this podcast is about, is to find out there are people doing really great things in in the trenches, but they're not writing books. They're not speaking at yeah. national conferences. They're people. And that's what I'm trying to bring together in here. So she was a She a was, yeah, she was an instructor okay. and she's since retired. But she's very involved with EDCI, which is Eating Eating Disorder Coalition of Iowa. So, yes. 
Oh, now I know exactly who it is. Okay. (laughs) Great. Okay. Well, what are you working on now? Well, I recently changed positions. I was in academia at Iowa State University for about 10 years and mainly teaching dietetic interns like Abby. And I recently decided that I was going to do a little shift. And so I'm over, I'm still at Iowa State, but I'm in student wellness. And half of what I do is nutrition counseling with students. And a bulk of that is eating disorders or disordered eating. And then the other half of what I do is I do outreach to students, which can be in the form of presentations, lectures across campus. And so I still do a fair bit in food science and human nutrition is where I used to work and help them with some of their eating disorder curriculum that because there's they have a new program that now instead of the internship like Abby did, they now have a master's degree attached with it. So it's a master's in professional practice. And so I helped them with some of their modules around eating disorders. And I also go into lecture, whoever wants me to come into their classroom, I will lecture and it's all around eating disorders, disordered eating, weight stigma and healthcare, all of the things that I love to teach mm-hmm. and which is nice because I don't have to grade anything and I don't have to, yeah. you know, create test questions. So that's kind of the nice thing. Yeah. But you still get to spread the word. So Thank you yeah. used the term weight centric earlier. Mm-hmm. Can you yes. explain what that is? Yes. Weight centric is focusing on the weight loss as the outcome instead of just kind of the the symptom, as we all know in this room, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know weight centric programming can be very harmful and it's also not sustainable. And so I started actually way back 20 some years ago, teaching different things that were, you know, weight inclusive, which I don't, we didn't use the word weight inclusive or weight neutral at that time, but did a lot in the community and did a lot with teaching in schools, especially because I had two young daughters and I liked to go into their classroom and bring excitement about food and not do the eat this, don't eat that type of thing that they often get. So um, did a bit in their health classes with body image and eating disorders. So most of my earlier work with weight inclusive care was with the public and it kind of shifted. I would, I don't, I shared a lot of things on social media related to eating disorders and resources. And I was kind of like, got to be known as the person that, oh, if someone in the area has an eating disorder, private message Allison and she'll get them the help or whatever. Mm -hmm. So that was where my, how I focused my role with eating disorders. And then what eventually happened is I started teaching at Iowa State University in 2013 and brought the weight inclusive care and then eventually trauma-informed care and then eventually health at every size because It just, I was enmeshed in the intuitive eating for years. And then I started learning about health at every size and the health at every size and the weight stigma is what really got me interested in social justice issues in general. And then from there, took a training with Tracy Brown and Fiona. That's what I was going to ask you when you said trauma informed. Yeah. So that's where I got some of my education around trauma-informed care. But I tend to, when I get interested in something, I try to, you know, I seek it out. I read things, listen to things. And, and that, then I, once you teach it, it's like you learn as you're teaching it, you just learn so much more. 
And we're going to learn from you too, because I'm sitting here thinking, I want to just be in your class, in any of your classes, any of your lectures. But I've also seen you in action. And some, another dietitian was getting ready to go to a book club. And the book was pretty intense. And just what you said to her was really I don't remember what exactly what you said. It might've been what's coming up for you or what are you afraid of? Or what yeah, are you worried about? Yeah, that's what she was afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is something that we're not taught in dietetic school mm-hmm. to find out what's happening in that person's nervous system mm-hmm. or what, what are their fears? Because mm-hmm. what we've learned, Abby and I, if through this podcast and through our readings and is that we have to create a safe, as, as safe as possible place. Mm -hmm. And so what are you afraid of is a great question. Mm -hmm. Well, and I know that it gets confusing. Sometimes dietitians think, oh, well, I'm not a therapist. Well, yeah, I know, but it's trauma informed. It doesn't mean you're treating the trauma. Mm -mm. You need to be informed. So you know what to say. And if you see the trauma, you need to know what to do to respond to that. And then further how to refer them out. And so I fully believe that every healthcare professional, teacher, any type of educator needs to be trauma-informed. And I guess I forgot to mention, I also do have a private practice. It's called Nutrition for All Bodies. And it just, I'm taking the summer off basically of my private practice, but what I do mostly is trainings with other healthcare professionals on weight-inclusive care and trauma-informed care and do a bit with another university, Des Moines University, with their PT students and also PAs on weight stigma and trauma-informed care. And so absolutely love going in because I've just taught dietetic students forever. It's completely different going in, working with physical therapy students and PAs too. So that's just been so interesting. And I've learned so much just by asking them questions, actually, and trying to understand something that I've learned along the way is that, especially with weight stigma, and, you know, health at every size and intuitive eating, I used to get so mad and upset if someone challenged me and didn't believe what I believed. So I felt like I was arguing to win what I've come to is, okay, why am I arguing or communicating? Is it to win or is it to understand? Once I realize, okay, I need to shift gears here and actually understand where they're coming from has made a huge difference. And probably something that comes in handy just with working with individuals who have eating disorders, because sometimes it feels the same way. Like, oh gosh, I'm not trying to fight with them, but yes. I wish they would listen to me a bit. <laughs> yes, that's so true. Quick break here to give a big shout out to the sponsor of today's episode. I really appreciate the support from Great Plains Idea. And Great Plains Idea is an online master's degree in dietetics program. It's diverse just like our profession. I have mentioned in the past that I teach a course in the fall called Nutrition Therapy for Eating Disorders through Great Plains Idea. So you can choose from a variety of courses to elevate your leadership skills, help you apply cutting-edge information in clinical nutrition, public health nutrition, healthcare administration, or nutrition needs across the lifespan. So you can tailor your degree to enhance your practice and meet your professional goals. Courses are completely online, so you can fit them in 
in around work and family. To learn more, check out gpidea.org or visit the link in our show notes. When I was going into my internship, I didn't, and maybe I should have known this, like looked at the information ahead of time, but I didn't realize that we would touch so heavily on haze and, you know, weight inclusive, inclusivity. Am I saying that wrong? No, inclusivity. Oh, it feels (laughs) weird coming out of my mouth. Okay. (laughs) Anyways. I didn't know we would be touching on those things. And then the more Beth and I have done this podcast, the more we learn that, wow, there are really not enough undergrad programs, internship programs, anything that discuss these topics. So how, whenever you brought this idea to Iowa State, was that received very well? Was it like tough to get them to accept it? Actually, in the internship piece, it was actually quite easy because my coworkers and the director, Gene Anderson at the time, I think that's, who, I can't remember if that's who you had or not. No, you didn't have, you didn't have Gene Anderson, super receptive. And they just let me, they're like, you're the one that's been looking into this and um, educating yourself on it forever. You just take it away. And so very fortunate in that respect. And so when I started doing that, because the undergrad, you know, is completely different. And so some of the faculty got wind of that and would ask me to come into their you know, classroom and teach. So I, I've for years have taught in the counseling class, which remember is the class where I first learned about my relationship with food and my body and really surreal to go back into that very class and bring information to these students that really changed my life and set me on a path um, to succeed and not just spiral. It has not been difficult in that respect. And to give the MPP of Iowa State a little shout out is before I left, the model was changing from just internship to the master's. I said, we need to make this weight inclusive. And that needs to be one of our frameworks. And they're like, absolutely. That's one of the frameworks. They bring it into each of the different sections and then also have a module or section on eating disorders as well. And I don't know if you recognize this, but even like we were only at in Iowa state or in Ames for those few days. And that's where we received most of the Hayes education, but Mm -hmm. The girls that I follow along with from that internship group, we all still believe the same thing. Like we take on this Hayes, you know, model and everything. So all of your, yeah, it's so great. Everything. I know you all can't see me, but it just trickles on and it can't. Yeah. I have goosebumps. It's so What is Hayes? What is health? What is Hayes? Yes, um, health at every size. Okay, I'm just making sure that we say that out loud because, yeah, I mean, this may be the first episode they're hearing. Mm -hmm. And so health at every size, I'm just making sure. And that, that has been, you know, just like with so many things has been through some difficulties Mm -hmm. in, in in the registered, like the um, official form of health at every size. Mm -hmm. And it's the essence of, of weight inclusivity, weight neutrality, 
not weight-centric work that we're talking about haze or health at every size. And you know, it's so misunderstood even by some dietitians who haven't taken the time to look at it because oftentimes people think it's just looking at weight or size, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it encompasses so much more. It's talking about respectful care Mm -hmm. to our patients, regardless of their size. It's talking about, you know, getting into policy and making health access and equity. And then it also something, see, I think the name needs to be changed because it also looks at race, gender, sexual orientation. It encompasses everything the name itself, if you don't dig deeper and look at the actual tenants, Mm -hmm. it really can be misunderstood. Just like intuitive eating is misunderstood. Oh, intuitive eating means, you know, mindful eating, hunger and fullness. I'm like, Yes, that is just the little tip. And yeah, yes. And yeah. And the health at every size, that's one of those things that they, in the beginning, realized that that's not the greatest name, like, but yeah. it had already taken off and yep. been trademarked and, and or registered, whatever. And I had a student, so I teach a grad elective course and it's on eating disorders. And it was a full class last fall was the first time I taught it. And I'll be teaching it again through GP IDEA. Mm-hmm. And I was introducing it to people who are already in the field and out working as professionals and then taking this course. And, and there was one in particular who just was venomous about it. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I recognize my own nervous system in that situation and I'm not in the classroom. It's a virtual. Mm-hmm. And so I felt when I was reading some of the words about being part of woke culture and being, it was, it was accusations that felt really odd. So mm-hmm. kind of like you, when you said, you know, why am I arguing? Mm-hmm. I just need to understand. Mm-hmm. They have been taught and, and Abby, you in our last recording, it was that, oh my gosh, helping like, of course, you're going to feel X, Y, Z way. You were brought up as a registered dietitian in a culture that we are, you know, whatever it is. So I just need to understand, of course, that this person is angry. They're just now tapping into what this could be. And there are dietitians who have been in the field as long as we have who will, who are anxious about health at every size, because if we don't have weight management, what do we have? And I'm saying this in quotes, because that was a, that was a quote that, Mm -hmm. that someone said to me. So I have to understand what's behind the venom. Yeah. It's, and it's so hard. I think, well, I mean, it's different for everybody. I mean, I think there is some of the, oh my gosh, I've been doing this forever. And thinking, you know, cause it's been ingrained, but I also think it also can maybe come from their own feelings about their body and weight. So if you're taking that away from them, it takes away part of that identity. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but you know, I've all also over the years noticed that I've started to give more grace to that because I mean, we all started on the other side of the fence, some of us further away than others. And it takes, sometimes it takes people harder to actually climb over that fence. But I look back at some of my earlier teachings, even though I thought I was being weight inclusive 
and, you know, non-diet, I look at some of that, I'm like, ew, I can't believe I wrote that. Or I can't, oh my gosh. I mean, of course you're not going to start out, you know, right. as how you're going to, you know, progress. Cause we learn all the time. I mean, yeah. even though it's really to use a Minnesota term icky, <laughs> it's just, I mean, I, it's also cool to see like the growth that's happened as well. So I've been trying to give more grace to people like, okay, they're on the fence. I'm going to just help them get over it a little bit. So, well, how do the, cause I think what we're getting at here is the more we can embed this education, mm-hmm. the greater the span is going to be, you know, the yes. more likely we'll take this on. How do the MAs and the PAs accept your information? Well, you know, it's, it depends overall, I think, well, and the nice thing is the chair, well, I don't know if she's the chair, but the one that asked me to come in, I do about six or seven lectures. She completely embraces the concept. I originally was brought in to teach their obesity lecture. And I, and I said, absolutely. I would love to teach your obesity lecture, but this is how I'm going to teach it which was, you know, of course, weight inclusive and about weight stigma and that sort of thing. And so it just kind of blossomed from there. But I've noticed, and this is how after doing this for a while, that you're like, oh, this is the issue that they're having trouble with. So for physical therapy, you know, physics is a big thing, right? Of course, if somebody has more weight on a joint or something, it's going to be more problematic. So that was a hurdle of okay, yeah, probably less weight on that joint is going to be beneficial. However, let's look at the facts here. You know, weight loss programs help you gain weight and help you gain more and it's harmful. What can you do in other areas versus, you know, the weight loss? What could you do? Could you talk to them about sleep? Could you talk to them about stress? Could you talk to them about, you know, you could even ask like, oh, are you eating consistent? Do you have access and are eating consistently? If not, you know, trying to find resources for them so they have consistent access to food and then starting them with whatever type of joyful movement or physical activity that can help. Because like if somebody has a knee problem and they need to lose weight, so it's easier on their joint, how are they going to do that? Right. I mean, it's. Safely without harm. Yeah. If that's even going to be beneficial, it's also right. There's so many things pointing us to. I use the example of like, we, some people still think the earth is flat. Yeah. Um, And so we have to try to not try, try to like, like you, you're using get closer to coming over the fence, but mm-hmm. just like help them understand. That's yeah. the word that you use. It's it's truly like we don't have to, you don't have to believe anything that I believe. Mm-hmm. And so how can it understand? Now we do have a physical therapist, Dr. Logging on one of our episodes. I don't know if you've yes. heard that one. Yes, I have. And so I was so excited to hear that one because I will in October is when I'll be back with physical therapy students. And I'm so excited to be able to share that podcast with them. Yeah. Yeah. And ADCI, it's the Eating Disorder Coalition of Iowa, is so good about bringing in the medical field because I did a talk with the same day that Dr. Mailer and Dr. Anderson were there. By the way, their next book came out, the yes. fourth edition. Did you, you're saying yes, you know about yes, it? Yes, I haven't gotten it yet, but I'm excited. 
Okay. But, but there's, I mean, the people in the audience were mostly, well, yeah, there were some therapists and some dietitians, but there were a lot of medical providers. So Mm -hmm. I was really excited about that, but also was prepped with the, the fact that Iowa is a uh, red state. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. On the chart of the United States obesity, there's the the light blue, the medium blue, the dark blue, and then the red. And that Mm -hmm. means that there are, right. Tell me if I'm getting any of this wrong, but there are, it's a highest rate of obesity in Mm -hmm. the United States. So I knew that I was coming into people who were wanting to quote, fix that. Yeah. Okay. So how, when you were talking to a group of people about obesity. And I'm going to say, it's hard for me to say it because it does sound so stigmatizing, but how do you do that? How do you, how do you help people with that word? Well, what I started doing, because I used to use obesity with them, but what I started doing this last year was changed it from, I'll tell them at first, I'm like, you're going to be, you know, obesity. I'm going to be calling it BMI greater than 30. And it's not because I think that somebody over a BMI of 30 is obese, but I'm going to use that because it's less triggering or I use high weight and I start using those words right away. Mm. So that way um, I'm just like, I don't know, trying to get that word taken out. I mean, obviously Mm. it's, um, it's a medical term, but so first I start with that start talking about weight stigma and the harm, and then the poor success rate with doing any type of weight, you know, centric programming. So that's where I really start and then go through, we always have like scenarios and case studies of different clients that they might have. And then, okay, what can you do? How do you respond? Do you refer? What do you do? Um, coming up with a whole bunch of different options. Mm-hmm. And then I also do a mini 101 on motivational interviewing. Luckily, the I don't know if the PAs do, but I know for sure the PT students, that is their, they already know about motivational interviewing. They use that. So it's really helpful that they understand that already. And just talking about working with different clients, asking the questions and what not to say that might Mm -hmm. be triggering. I do a whole little, like, I don't know, 10 minute section on weight inclusive language. And then also non-diet language. I don't even like saying healthy foods and I tell them why. And I say, let's use nutrient dense or nourishing foods. And so just, we talk a lot about language too. Mm. So helpful. And I am just like glad that you are part of that outpatient team available in in a college town Mm -hmm. for those students who are coming into the field, all of them, not just dietetic students. So many in that age group are really struggling and to have that warm spot, that place that that they can come and see you. Mm -hmm. How do you stay? So you had talked about Ellen Satter, intuitive eating, your story, how that's evolved too, and how you're able to express that. How do you stay learning? How do you, what do you do? What are your resources now? Well, absolutely love podcasts and yours in particular. I have learned so much through that. And then also while I'm doing supervision, 
a group, small group supervision with you, Beth, of course. Yeah. Um, I learn a lot from there, but I do learn a lot from webinars, conferences, and different books. The most recent ones I feel like that are probably that I don't know if everyone has read yet, but has body image and body respect is so hard for people. So the body is not an apology by Sonia T- Renee, Renee Taylor, Taylor yeah. is so good, especially I love the book. I listened to it and she reads the book. And I love when the author reads the book because you get insight to their personality and she's just amazing. And she reads it like, you know, like an artist, like a poet. And something I really liked is if she makes a mistake, instead of editing it out, she just backs up and restarts the sentence over. And that's been life-changing in itself for me because, you know, during the pandemic and recording of lectures, I hate editing things. And so I'm like, I'm not going to edit anymore. I'm just going to back up and be just show up as you are. Yeah. When I I lecture in person, I don't, I don't have, I can't back up and erase, you know, my little blurb. So um, that's something that I thought was super cool. But then her workbook is amazing. I love, it's like short little tools and pieces that you can use with clients when they come in. So that's really cool. And then also I just, cause I just did the wind weight inclusive nutrition dietetics conference. It was virtual and Brie, I could not think of her last name right now. She was amazing. She has a lived experience of an eating disorder, pretty recent in fact, and she's a therapist and she has an amazing podcast called the body grievers club. And she also does, I think they're virtual classes for people on how to help, you know, develop more body respect and body neutrality versus, you know, blaming the body and hating the body and that sort of thing. So those I think are super important for any healthcare professional, but also clients too. Thank you. I've been taking notes. All of those will go in the show notes. Great. And we've heard some of those names, right, Abby, before. So thank you for sharing that. Sure. And those books will be helpful. We just talked about this the other day too, but body image is always the topic we chat about on here. And it's always hard, you know, even we can have so many experts on to discuss it, but it's always going to be a tricky subject. I love the idea of having the workbook. That will be very helpful. Love the workbook. Yeah. So Allison, if we were to take you back to entering the field of eating disorders, what do you wish you would have known then that you do know now? Well, I'm going to take it back to just a year prior to this, because it's just been a year that I've been doing one-on-one with individuals with eating disorders. I thought I knew a lot about eating disorders because I well, I have a little lived experience, but I also taught it and I taught dietitians, you know, this is how you do the assessment, the diagnoses, and this is what you say, don't say all of that kind of thing. So I thought I knew quite a bit. And Jessica Setnick is one for another resource. Her boot camp was really good. I use her pocket guide. That's another thing. And then also Tammy Beasley, her work is amazing. So just some more resources. But anyway, so my point is, that you'll never know all of the things. I think that that was maybe a reason too that kept me away from doing the direct one-on-one work because I didn't think I knew enough. However, the amount of things I learned this past year 
from my clients, my students, there's no other way to learn it than to do the work. I mean, you can read about it, you can teach about it, but until you do that work with the client, you just can't learn it any other way. I guess what I'm saying is, yes, be prepared, get the education, you know, do as much as you can, but don't let that paralyze you from actually doing the one-on-one work and to get supervision. I Yeah, thank you for that plug too, because that really is something that we're not taught as dietitians, but you know, I'm going to just, I circled it. You, you'll never know all the things. Mm -hmm. And there was another podcast that we did that was titled, you can't just webinar all the time. So you're never going to feel, I can't say never, like you, like, you know, what you need to know, like, that's what this whole podcast is about. Yes, I've been in the field for a really long time. I've seen hundreds and hundreds of of clients and patients. And I still feel sometimes like, I mean, I don't know a lot. I'm learning every time we record a podcast, every time I read something, every time I reread something or re-listen to something. The core courses for certification is something that it takes you know, there's five, four classes that are three hours each plus some modules. And I saw them for five years in a row. And I, I learned something new every year, even though they didn't change that much. So mm-hmm. bottom line is you'll never know all of the things. And I love that. Get in there and do it. I had a dietitian, a younger, newer dietitian say, I'm not comfortable with, with binge eating disorder. Should I accept this or not. So here's that scope, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to hang your hat unless you are doing the work to hang your hat on the, or your shingle out that says, I treat eating disorders when you don't have that experience. But I said, that's the only way you're going to learn. When that's for me, it was ARFID. I knew nothing about ARFID hardly other than just reading a little bit. So when I had my first student, I was busy learning all of, I could learn before. And even in our small group, Beth, I actually, I don't know if you knew this, but um, got resources from one of our, one of the people in our group and which was so helpful. And so once you have the resources and then you meet with the client and do the work, you just learn so much more. It's just, it's scary. And because you think, because I mean, obviously you don't want to do harm, right? So I think that's the scary part, but it's the only way to learn is to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that each client is going to be different just because the diagnosis is ARFID doesn't mean that the next ARFID is going to be this. So this is, this is, I feel like too, I may have told you, and I know I've mentioned this on the pod before, but there will be a weight inclusive toolkit for educators Mm -hmm. coming out in 2023. Now, you and I both know because we've been through the system and I'm going to say Abby too, because you've heard lots of other guests is that teachers are going to teach it the way they're going to teach it. So it's a start. I mean, it's been many years in the making to get this to to come to fruition. And I really respect we're going to have the the chair on the pod when when we're a little more through this so that she can talk about it. But I really respect her, her energy, her passion towards this. And we know this is just a start. Mm Because some of the teachers, some of the instructors are going to look at it and just say, okay, you have to do this and 
they may not even put a question on the test. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Allison. Oh, thank you. I, it was so fun. And I don't, I was nervous, but I don't know why this was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you were nervous either. Cause you're amazing. <laughs> Let's lean on each other and learn from each other so we can grow together as professionals in this field of eating disorders. If you want to connect with me for supervision or membership with monthly content, please find me at bethharrell.com slash professionals.